Hi, everyone. Welcome again to the podcast, Success, Secrets, and Stories. I'm your host and author of Building Your Leadership Toolbox, John Malosky, and I'm here with my friend, Greg Powell. Greg? Hey, everybody. And we're here today to talk about being in the now, living in the moment. Where are you right now? (laughs) So... Dr. Durst um, really uses being in the now or being conscious as a key component of management by responsibility. And it may not sound like it's all that complicated, but at the end of the day, it it is. There's, there's, I think, a lot of examples where I've seen people who have disengaged from being there in the job, being there in the moment. Uh, one of one of the interesting kind of simple examples that uh, Dr. Durst talked about was when you're driving on the way home, you got into your car, you drove for 40 minutes, you're opening up the door to the house, and you don't remember what road you rode on. But lights, whether there was an emergency vehicle, none of it. Your mind went on vacation, and all those other elements of the mind was just doing it like blinking and breathing. You weren't thinking about it. You were just doing it. But if you're conscious, you understand that you're not going to get a lot of opportunity to drive your car and have an accident because you're going to tell the the, the policeman, you know, I, I was unconscious while I was driving. And that's that's not going to fly. You have to be engaged. You have to you have to be aware of what you're doing at all times. You're you're not a passenger in this in this um, ride in life. There was there was a a story that I thought was kind of a, a joke. I'll try the joke. Uh, it's not really humorous. It's more ironic. If you get onto the bus, you have a decision. You can either be the driver of the bus, or you can be the passenger. Now, if you're in the if you're the driver, you you're probably not going to be able to avoid everything that's going to be coming at you, but you have a better chance than the person sitting in the back as a passenger. So if you have the decision in order to try to take control and grab the steering wheel and understand what it is that you're doing, you have to be conscious, you have to be engaged, and you have to take the wheel. Um, An interesting discussion. But he also brought up the thing about being there by choice. And what, what, what you're doing by choice is engagement. Um, I think, I think one of the interesting stories is something that Greg, you and I had talked about and uh, you like the example. Why don't you um, tell us about the opera? Thanks, John. As we are both from the Chicago area, I think we can relate to the Chicago opera theater. And imagine you're at that grand theater. It's built back in the 20s, and it still looks great today. Now you're there with your wife. She's excited to see a production of Mozart. You promised her you'd be there, and there you are. She's dressed up. You're dressed up. The music and the voices are going to be outstanding. You can anticipate that. You can expect that. It's going to be a great production. But your mind is working overtime. In fact, it's at work. Uh, you're thinking about that next big deal, the next meeting, or forgot to get back to somebody on email or text. And right now, even though you're in the opera house, you're not thinking about the opera. 
In fact, you are actually thinking about digging into your pocket, pulling out your phone, checking emails, sending a text, maybe, John? Oh, there's there's opera suicide right there. <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, so you're not there now. You're not there with her. So being there, being with her, is actually seeing how enjoy how much enjoyment she's getting on this experience. You're getting the same vicarious enjoyment from her enjoyment, right? You know, through her eyes, you can see the music, which is going to be just truly unique. Uh, these folks are professionals, and they're at the height of their careers, and they're going to pro- provide a, a musical journey production that's going to be fantastic. World class orchestra, Mozart. We're talking Mozart here. Right, right. right? But you're somewhere else. Don't be somewhere else. Be there now. Be there in the moment. Enjoy your wife's excitement of the night, of that evening, of your commitment to her now. Yeah, being being in the now. I mean, if you think about it, she's gone and, like for me, I've, I've taken my wife to the racetrack. You want to see a real test of a marriage? Have <laughs> her look interested while she's at a racetrack. There's she's not interested in racing, but she can see the enjoyment that I got out of it. So, you know, uh, what, what is it just, it's not put up with it. It's see the enjoyment through the other person's eyes. So she's not going to be road racing and I'm not going to be going to a lot of operas, but while I'm there and I've made the commitment to be with her, then own it. Be there, right? That's it, John. So, you know, some of what I think is important in terms of being there is looking at applications within a business environment. And there was a really good speaker that we had probably like six, uh, twice a year, we would have good speakers that would come in and talk about important subjects. And it was in a hospital setting because they've done a very good job of training people. And it's, that's like an every month kind of activity. There's something else that they're training on and they would bring in a special speaker. And this special speaker was an air force pilot and a commercial airplane pilot. And he wanted to talk about how well we communicate. In essence, what he was really saying was communication and being there are synonymous. They're, they're the same things. If you're, if you're trying to communicate and you don't have someone that's listening, that's an issue. If you have become somewhat mechanical about how you're responding, you're mentally on vacation. You're, you're not conscious. You're just going through the pattern that you know, and you've memorized over time. So let me, let me give an example, how, how he tried to make this point. When, uh, you talk about a commercial airliner and you think about all the things that are going on. It's a pretty busy environment. You have a lot of things that are happening in a very short period of time. Your taxing is a requirement to be on, uh, the, um, runway is a requirement. So you can't sit there and not say you're ready and, and let time go on. You have to be rather productive. You have to be going down the checklist and time is important. That need to be efficient, to be in and out of an of an airport, drove some errors and plane crashes that were tragic, especially in the 80s and 90s. They got to the point where there were so many accidents for things like not having fuel 
um, not having the flaps down, having a door that's open. And John, if I could interject for a second, as a passenger, I expect those things are not issues. <laughs> right. I mean, you're you're assuming that everybody in the front has this thing locked down. Now, more importantly, to to my point and to uh, the pilot's point, the captain knew what he was doing, and there was the problem. It it was the captain, and the captain alone was making the decisions on whether the plane was capable of going in the air or not. And after all these crashes and how dangerous this checklist became, um, actually in 1993, the National Transportation Board got together and created a um, crew resource management program. So I'm going to use the acronyms that they love is that the NTSB got together and created the CRM. And in the hospital environment, the pilot stopped and said, now, don't you like those acronyms? <laughs> because Lord knows they have enough ac acronyms. And that was one of his points. He actually stopped and said, do you know what they all mean? And I know you don't. And is that dangerous? So is an acronym a good way to communicate or not? It has to be up to you. I mean, as soon as possible, probably doesn't need to be said out loud. You can say ASAP or S ASAP. That that that's okay. But medical terminology, you might want to be careful how you're using acronyms. But this committee that they, they came up with and what they developed, the CRM program, the crew resource management program, was to provide and focus safety on interpersonal communication, leadership, and decision-making in the cockpit of an airliner. Twenty word there that you put a star on is inter interpersonal communication, and that that is probably the hallmark of what he was trying to say. And then he and he said, "Okay, think about this for a second. How many pounds of fuel versus how many gallons of fuel versus having eighty three hundred versus eighty three thousand versus eighty three, and assuming that means a thousand. Not assumptions. What if you invert numbers? What if you what if you say you had thirty eight instead of eighty three? Um, all those things are human character error, human error, human error that isn't really all that unusual. It happens, but when you when you have it in that kind of environment, you don't get a second chance. What they basically said is everybody that's in the cockpit is responsible for getting the bird in the air. It's the people who load the fuel, the people who close the door on a cargo liner, on, on a cargo bay, I should say. Um, it's what the uh, attendants see as far as issues in terms of passengers, in terms of equipment. It's what the navigator is seeing. What, whomever is involved in the cockpit, whoever goes in and out of the cockpit, they are all part of the process of getting the bird in the air. And he tried to make a point that I would go through the checklist. People would be countering my checklist, would, would stop me, make me repeat on the checklist. Those things didn't happen before. They happened after this process. And I've also heard it being used in manufacturing for zero defects. 
and being able to stop anybody that's that's working in the process to be able to challenge the information instead of assuming the information. That's the words that he was trying to get in terms of being responsible, being in the now. Don't assume. And and in the medical world, they didn't have the ability to assume. And so, Greg, when when you go in and you hear somebody going in for surgery, you have there's a, there's a constant thing that they do, and I think it's kind of interesting. What leg are you going to be doing your surgery on? Right? They they ask you. They ask each other. Yes. They you know and and, and it's not the not the first person you talk to. It's every, every person, person you yeah. talk to. So you know they've learned the lesson that the repetition is important. Um, making sure your your birth date is the same one they have on their sheet. Right, so that I'm dealing with the same person. I I could have more than one John, I could have more than one Greg. You know, you you don't want to make those quick assumptions and all of a sudden realize that's a totally different surgery. And that's human error. And the best point I heard was actually through uh, a quality control class I went through, and and they, they gave a a interesting example. How many babies can a hospital drop? Without having a problem, I like to think zero defects here, John. Which is the point of their, their example was zero defects because no, you can't you can't come up with an acceptable number of baby drops. So you know, are we human? Does it happen? Yes, but the goal is zero, and it should never deviate from zero. Having zero defects for months after months doesn't mean that. You can relax. It only means that the bar never changes. You you have to go for zero defects. So that that component of teaching people to be in the now, I think, is what the pilot was trying to trying to highlight. Now, Greg, I think you have an interesting example of safety. I do indeed, John. You probably will not be surprised to see where sometimes human resources and safety uh, kind of interact together. Yeah. So at a company I worked at, I actually had a safety manager. We have responsibility for safety. And this individual, was she was great. She was fantastic. Uh, she was out there um, just making sure we didn't have OSHA recordables. Nobody got hurt, et cetera. But if you could imagine a warehouse with forklifts, and this one forklift in particular was carrying thousands of pounds of rolled paper. And the forklift operator was very experienced, been there 15, 20 years, um, had done this routine of picking up rolls of paper, unloading rolls of paper, back and forth, again, thousands of times. It became very routine to him. But we have to think about something beyond his his, uh, his experience and, re- and ability to repeat the, the routine, and that is he's sharing that warehouse floor with other workers, with other people doing other things that's equally as important as what he's doing. And if he comes around the corner too fast, he's fishtailing. We used to call it horseplay, whatever. That's sure. not acceptable, right? Yeah. That's not yeah. acceptable. There's a company, and you like these acronyms, John, OSHA. There's a group called OSHA, right? They have uh, some very strong... It's not a little town in Wisconsin either. It is not. (laughs) Very (laughs) rigid rules and regulations on what's permissible uh, from a safety standpoint. That's why the training is extremely important, because people could get hurt or possibly die. And people have gotten hurt, and people have died. So no matter how many times you've driven that forklift, you've lifted those forks up, put a roll of paper into a bin or whatever, each time is unique. And you've got a checklist of things that you go through to make sure that you're safe, people around you are safe, 
and that you can perpetuate that moving forward. And you know what's interesting about the safety side of it when they did studies? The highest incident of errors are when they're new on the job and when they're close to retirement. Yes. Because both of them are basically not in the now. They're not they're not being in the situation. One's overwhelmed and the other one is underwhelmed. Yes. So, you know, I pulled people off of forklift trucks because they weren't safe, fishtailing, whatever, horseplay. God, you know, that that's not something that you want to talk about, but it happens. And sometimes I found the people who are close to retirement are just on retirement on the job. Yeah. And you, you almost have to pull them off the equipment and say, you know, take a break, get a cup of coffee, get your head back in the game. It, nobody wants to get hurt because you're not thinking. But it's actually talking about being in the now. Be be there. Be conscious of where you're at. So in summary, we're talking about being in the moment or being there or living in the moment. All these things are, are basically saying the past is the past. And you really can't technically change it. You can learn from it, but it's the past. The future doesn't exist. What you what you have before you is what you need to be working on. It's the now. That's what Dr. Durst was trying to highlight. Be conscious. Be aware. Know what your impacts are. If you're just sleepwalking through your life, don't wake up 15 years later going, what happened? That's That, that was the essence. And it gets into more detail, but... That's the last thing you want to do is wake up 15 years later saying, wait a minute, I, I, I thought I would have been ahead by now. Well, if, if your head was in the game, you would be ahead. So being in a now is business, career, safety, put the list as long as you want, but engagement in your life and, and not getting yourself uh, distracted. I think is the key. Are there times where it's going to happen? Yes, that it is. But know when you're in that in that particular space, what risks you're taking. And I think that's I think that's the important part. Uh, so, in closing, um, Greg, do you have something for next week? So, John, as we think about building your leadership toolbox. We're going to dig deeper into that toolbox for some very interesting, unique, and we believe helpful tools. Okay, cool. So we're going to go through our standard commercial. It's important to me. So my book is available on Amazon.com and Lulu.com. The ebook is Barnes and Noble. The podcast you have found. Thank you so much. Dr. Durst's book and his MBR program is available on Success Growth Academy. The music's brought to you by my grandson. And it's been fun. So, Greg, it's been fun. Thanks, John, as always. Next time.